Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, he is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, I think that's funny, men of the rabble, you can use that if you ever want to, um, they formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar, and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of his brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So we're going to be talking about Paul... um, and his time there in Thessalonica, clearly a very short time. When you get dragged out of a city and things like that, well, he actually didn't get dragged out, but um, a premature ending to his um, evangelism. And so Thessalonica, it's this large, important city in the Roman Empire. Paul and Silas are both there. They're partnering in their ministry together, preaching the gospel. Pretty straightforward, pretty standard. Okay, and I'll, I'll just make a quick note here. And I think this is important. He reasoned from the scriptures, okay? For any of you guys out there who want to evangelize and you want to minister to people, start with the scriptures. That's the place where all rational thought begins, okay? So um, if you're not starting there, I encourage you to to rethink that uh, process you're going through. Um, Paul also clarifies in his letter, okay, and this is good because it's good to have a little bit of that intellectual side there, start with reason, start with the Bible, But Paul actually clarifies in his letter to the Thessalonians um, that he didn't only come in word, okay? He didn't just come in word. He came in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So there's a little bit for everybody there, kind of that men are waffles, women are spaghetti type of thing. Um, Don't feel judged if you feel like spaghetti and you feel like a waffle if you're a woman. I don't know, okay? Um, And so I'm just going to clarify real quick. What was the gospel that they were preaching? Again, this is right out of the text. Okay, they were explaining and proving that it was necessary. It was necessary for the anointed one, okay, which is the Messiah, and in Greek is Christ, okay? It's not Jesus' last name, okay? It's a title. To suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. So all they're coming and saying is it was necessary for the Messiah to come, to suffer, to die, to be raised again, and this person that we were waiting for is Jesus, okay? I think we're following that pretty good, okay? And that's the good stuff. I mean, that's why we're here. It's the only reason why we're able to be here, okay? This was only over a period of three Sabbaths. I don't know if you guys caught that, which I think is crazy because typically we do like relationship evangelism. We don't even mention Jesus until like six months into the relationship, okay? 
He's got three Sabbaths. He's in there, and he's proclaiming the truth boldly, and revival breaks out. And so my encouragement, again, this is just a side note, is don't ever underestimate what God can do with two or three faithful people. Just going out there and speaking the truth. A lot can happen. A lot can happen. Okay? Okay? So because this revival is breaking out, again, I'm kind of going back through the story here just a little slower. Um, a group of jealous Jews in the city gathered. They brought the wicked men of the rabble. There, there it is again. They formed the mob. They attacked those who were just affiliated. Jason was just housing these people. He wasn't even doing anything. Okay? Nobody's safe. If you're, if you're with Jesus, nobody's safe. Okay? They're coming for us. Um, and Jesus, and uh, Paul's whole evangelistic time there was cut short. It was prematurely ended. He didn't even have time to fully disciple these people. Again, you can only imagine how quickly can you fully disciple somebody. Three weeks is definitely not enough. Okay? He did a lot, um, but there was more that needed to be done. Okay? And I just want to highlight two of the false claims that the mob was making too. They said they were causing chaos. They were putting the city in uproar. What were they putting the city in uproar for? They valued people, men, women, Jews, Greek, Gentiles, everybody. Salvation through faith, not through works. Okay, Jews don't like that because they're the ones who kind of are facilitating the getting cleansed and all of that. So it's taking power away from them. Okay, an eternal hope. Okay, they're free. Once they know that Jesus saved them, they are free. And I'm sure you guys may know, people who are free and people who are not free don't tend to like to be around each other, okay? Because it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable when you're around somebody who has freedom and you don't feel free, okay? You can feel judged pretty quickly. And then the last thing, the last false claim was they were accused of not following the decrees of Caesar and that they were declaring the new King Jesus, okay? Um... We see this all the time, right? We see this all the time. When power gets challenged, when they feel like power's getting encroached upon, people are viciously going to attack you. They're going to viciously attack you, okay? And then the other point I'll just make, too, is that the enemy is always taking little pieces of the truth. Yes, Jesus was the new king. He wasn't establishing his kingdom right there. He wasn't trying to do an overthrow, um, a coup. Um, and so it's like there are pieces of truth, but this is what was actually happening. And so I just want to quickly connect what we're talking about, because I'm sure some of you guys are drawing some connections here pretty quickly, that there's a lot of things going on in this story that we're actually seeing in our society right now, okay? And, and I'm just going to, it's a little deja vu for you, and I hate to bring it up, but someone had to bring it up. I'm sure Louis would have brought it up if I didn't. So, um, but think about this, just, just a couple of the pieces of what's going on, and then we'll talk really about what we're getting into. But the mentality of those in power, they're not trying to get their hands dirty. They're stirring up other people. They're stirring up other people and letting them take the brunt of what's going on. They're accomplishing their wicked schemes, okay? But then you also see that's the mentality of the people in power. They don't want to get their hands dirty, okay? But then you see the mentality of the culture, and they're just hurt and confused. They don't even know what's going on, okay? But they are, are in this mob mentality, they're in this mob mentality. There's confusion, an incoherent shout match, and then it turns violent, okay? And that's a fruit of the spirit of this world, not a fruit of the spirit of our God. And so another piece here, the good guys become the bad guys. They're coming in, and they're preaching the gospel. They love these people, and all of a sudden, these are the bad guys. They're the ones causing a problem, okay? And um, I'll just briefly mention it too, but the connection with the election here, I know King Jesus and 
the election that we're having right now, um, kind of a far cry for a comparison. But all the same, again, there's a power grab. There's a fear for a power grab. And so here's what the, the point I want to make from this as we're kind of looking at this all playing out, okay? Spiritual confusion always causes natural conflict, okay? When we don't understand what's happening spiritually, we are always going to misinterpret, we're always going to come to the wrong conclusion, and we're always going to take the wrong actions, okay? And some of it's going to come from us doing it to ourselves, and some of it is just there's always kind of conflict in this world when Jesus is around, okay? Because people don't like that. If you're part of the spirit of this world, you're always going to be fighting with uh, the spirit of the living God. And so Paul is, you know, he's out of the story now. He actually sends Timothy back with his letter um, to them because he wants to, again, continue to disciple them. And so just a couple examples of, of the confusion. Again, it's spiritual confusion causing natural conflict, okay? The first uh, piece, and again, we may connect to one or two or three of these, um, but spiritual confusion increases the likelihood of us just returning to our own ways, okay? And this is really important, and, and this is why I, I wanted to talk about it, and I felt like God was, was bringing this to mind, is that I think there's a lot of spiritual confusion going on right now. I think there's a lot of spiritual confusion right now, and and we're prone to go back to our old ways, I think, when that happens. Let's go back to what we know, what works. That's what the Thessalonians did. They went back to sexual impurity and, and all the things that they did before, okay? Spiritual confusion gets our focus and our priorities out of order, okay? And Paul encouraged them, love one another, live quietly, mind your own affairs, and work to provide for yourself. He didn't say, take advantage of your neighbor. He didn't say, stay in your neighbor's business. And um, he said, work is good. Idle hands of the devil's handiwork. He didn't say that exactly, but um, he said, keep working. Keep at it. Um, Jesus' return is imminent, and, and, I'll, and I'm just bringing that up because that's actually what some of the Thessalonians did. Some of their spiritual confusion was um, that they thought Jesus' return was so imminent that they could stop working. And they, so some of them stopped working. They were just kind of like mooching off their friend, okay, whoever had all the cows and chickens in the neighborhood, okay? And so that's what they did. That was their response they just got their priorities out of order with that spiritual confusion. And then lastly, and most, uh, I don't know, most common, I think we have all experienced to some degree, spiritual confusion leads to fear. Um, they were asking questions like, are we truly saved? And that's why Paul addresses some of that in Thessalonians. He, you know, did those who die already, did they miss the second coming eternally? Like, they just didn't know. They were just learning. You know, they had three weeks to learn. So there's a couple questions that didn't get answered. And we ask other questions, you know. Um, sometimes those same questions, but like, is God always good? You know, should I be singing more Hebrew songs over my children? You know, whatever it is, you know. Um, it's like, we, we, we just start to ask these questions because we have spiritual confusion. That's the root of what's going on. We don't understand. We don't have full revelation of what's going on. And it's important that we have that because otherwise it's always going to be inviting in natural conflict. Um, so, this is what... What I, I kind of just want to get to, this was the whole point of what I'm trying to get to here for us, is, is there spiritual confusion? Is there immaturity in the church right now? I'd say yes. I think we're a pretty good church. I think we're a pretty awesome church, actually. Um, but most definitely, most definitely is there confusion and there, there's immaturity in the church. Um, and so here's the verse um, that I want us to, to focus on and remember and, and again, apply 
Um, and I'll read it real quickly, and then I'll just go a little slower. But this is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I'm sure many of you guys know it. But it's rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay, that's a lot of all and always, right? Okay, totality, always praying, always giving thanks, always rejoicing, okay? Rejoice, you know, joy is a, it's a mark of a Christian. It's a mark of a true believer. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's an outward overflow of an inward hope, okay? Praying without ceasing, that's just a mental state. That's where we want to live, okay? Um, and then the most important piece, I know, it's Thanksgiving, so obviously I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving, um, being thankful in all circumstances. But I also believe that God has something here for us because I think that we're in a place of discontentment and Thanksgiving is an antidote for discontentment. And, and so I'm just going to share just a quick personal story here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I know personally, I feel like there's just been a ton of spiritual warfare going on in my life and in my family's life and just personally. Um, and I had this moment, it was a few weeks ago, where I was laying in bed, and I just had this fear come over me. I don't even know what it was. It seemed like it kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, and it bothered me, you know, as, as everyone does, you know, when you start to feel that anxious feeling um, and fear coming in for whatever reason. And so I just got up, and I started walking around, and I was praying. And at some point while I was praying, um, I felt like God was saying to me, it's like, you just need to thank God. You just need to walk in thanksgiving right now. Um, and to me, that didn't make sense. Like, I tend to be like a straight waffle. Like, it needs to, like, all add up. Like, this, 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 so this. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to follow equations here so I don't have to think too hard and, like, get outside of my comfort zone. Um, but God just said, thanksgiving, okay? It's just like the torches in the pots. Why am I taking torches and pots to battle? This doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it anyways, okay? And, and so... I just started thanking God. I just started thanking God for what he had done for me, what he had saved me from, what he had done in my life. And almost immediately, I felt like it just like broke. It was just like gone. And, and I really believe that there's something here for us right now because I think there's more than one of us to some degree. Um, and maybe one or more of these areas are confused, anxious, and afraid in this season of life because there's so much uncertainty, okay? And there's a reason why we have that uncertainty, there's a reason we have that uncertainty. Um, you know, Proverbs 13, 12, this is one of my favorite Proverbs that I like to quote, but hope deferred makes the heart sick. Why does it make the heart sick when hope is deferred, when hope is delayed, when it's postponed? Why does it make our heart sick? Well, it's because we're putting our hope in our circumstances, you know? If you put your hope in your circumstances and it doesn't go the way you want because Jesus wanted it to go another way, you're going to have your hope deferred. You're going to have that sick feeling. Okay, and so, again, in, in regards to just our, our nation and where we're at right now, we don't ever want to quench the Spirit. You know, God is saying things in this season. He didn't stop speaking at any point. We have no reason to think that. He is still speaking today just like he was. And we, and, and Paul, matter of fact, he even clarifies in Thessalonians, he says, don't quench the Spirit, don't despise the prophetic, hold fast to what is good. Okay, and so we need to stay in that place of holding fast to the prophetic, but we cannot get trapped in a place of putting our hope in our circumstances. We can't get into that place because the church is the one that needs to be certain when everything else is uncertain. 
The church needs to be the one that's stable when everything else is unstable. And if we don't feel stable, it's because we have spiritual confusion that we need to get worked out, that the Holy Spirit wants to come and move in us so that we can be the peace. We can be the light as we're going out. Um, and circumstances are great. I don't want to say anything about circumstances. I love good circumstances. Um, so um, my, my thought that I want you to hold on to is this. We can be thankful in all circumstances. Not some circumstances, not just the circumstances we like, but we can be thankful in all circumstances because, again, it's not just about being thankful, but it's an antidote to something. It actually changes us. So it's not just being thankful for thankful's sake. God has like a reward that goes along with it. You actually have a happier life. You have gratitude, and you're thankful for things that happen, and you don't get upset when you lose your job or when you get furloughed, you know, or, or when a relationship doesn't work out and you thought it was going to work out. We don't have to be unstable. We don't have to live in that place, all circumstances. And so um, why, sorry, I keep saying there's like one more thing I need to say, but um, why can we be thankful in all circumstances? And it is because of the gospel that Paul preached. It is because of the gospel that we can be thankful in all circumstances because that's, that's the thing that never changes. It's already happened. Jesus came he died, he rose from the dead, his name's Jesus. It happened. And so that's why we're here. And so when we go and take communion here in a moment, and uh, Malachi, you can come up, but um, when we come up and we get the elements, I want to invite you into a place of thanksgiving. Okay, obviously that's what we're supposed to be doing with communion, okay? We're thankful. God has done so much for us. He's laid down his life for us and given us a fresh start. He's restored us, given us the opportunity for full restoration. And so thankfulness should just be the automatic response. But if we don't feel, if we feel confused, if we feel afraid because of the circumstances around us, I just encourage you to remind yourself and begin to start in that place of thankfulness and allow that peace to overflow. So um, I think we're going to start with the rows in the back. And if you guys can kind of go out this way and then come back up the aisle, same thing over here. You guys can come on up and then we will uh, take communion together here in a second.
as you guys are getting situated here, <clears throat> I just want to remind you guys that communion is a sacred moment that the Lord has given us to, to unite with him and to remember what he's done for us. And, and we never, I mean, I've been going through this with my son, John, actually. He makes all the stories because he does all the silly stuff. But, you know, talking to his grandma and grandpa, he's like, see you later, you yahoos, or whatever he does. You know, it's like, he just like, always, I'm like, John, like, those are your grandparents. Like, you need to honor them. You need to show respect to them. And, and when we're coming before God, we never want to come before God in this casual, cavalier attitude. Like, we're coming before the creator of the universe, and he's inviting us in. What a beautiful thing. And so we don't want to take this in an unworthy manner. We, we want to honor God. And so I just want to encourage you that because the Bible seems to believe that it's pretty serious. And so I'm just going to get in line with that. It's a serious thing that we're doing right now. And so um, yeah. for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The ministry team can go ahead and come on up here. Father in heaven, we just want to align ourselves with what you're declaring through your scriptures. That we are proclaiming the Lord's death until you return. That you died for us. And it's not the end of the story. And because we can see this big picture, because we can see what you've revealed to us through your word, we can have thanks in all circumstances. We are not subservient to fear. We don't have to live in anxiety. There is no, no fear, no anxiety, no confusion that supersedes what you've done for us, Father. What Jesus has done through his death and resurrection. So the ministry team, you guys can come on up here and we're going to open it up here for, for a time. I just want to encourage you guys um, right now. We have such a beautiful thing having a ministry team. It's actually one of the main reasons that attracted me to, to New Promise, that they were always giving opportunity um, 
to receive ministry. And I came here in a time where I needed ministry. I needed someone to pray over me, you know, when you can't pray for yourself. And so I just want to encourage any of you out there, especially if you've never done it before. Some of you guys are regular attenders up here, and that's great. But for those of you who maybe have never taken advantage of this beautiful ministry that we have at our church to just come and receive prayer, I encourage you to do that. There's nothing to feel um, embarrassed about walking up here. There's nothing to worry about because we're all here for the same reason. We're all here for Jesus. We're all here to worship him. We're all here to receive from the Father and give back to him. So we're just going to hang out here a moment. And I'd encourage you just to seek the Lord where you're sitting and ask him what he has for you, what he wants to speak to you about.